FMX Network Production. You cast me, complete me till death do us part. What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. This is Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show. This is the number one wrap-up show in the moto industry, where each week, myself and a couple guests wrap up and discuss the good, the bad, and the janky in that week's Pulp MX Show. But before we get started, I want to thank all the sponsors who've come on board. Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, and Motosport.com. I appreciate all the help and support from those great companies, so please use them and support them. Also, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, or critiques by emailing me, darkside at pulpmx.com. All right, let's wrap this thing up. You're harboring a fugitive in a sense. Whoops, man. The 250 class was a disaster. And it's like, maybe don't build them like that. It'll be the biggest gap between championship supercross titles. Figuring it out. Fuck off, Caldi. <laughs> right back goes. at you, you D-bag. Yeah. Fucking lame answer. What? You're like 80 years old and is going in this class with kids. Like, you're not winning. We know this. I think we all fucking suck. We should just hang it up. Use your head. I mean, so, fuck. I just want to take whoever built the things or the people that are just watching people KO themselves. I want to take their hand, duct tape it wide open, <laughs> put them in fourth gear on a fucking dirt bike, and be like, all right, dude, it's on you, man. We're not cats. We don't have nine lives. I'm all for technical wounds, but I just don't like seeing dudes die out there. Some would say you're a bunch of pussies. Grab your yeah, balls. Trainers and stuff, they get all jazzed up over, you know, lap times and stuff, but it's just like, who gives a fuck? Well, my I, wife likes electricity and heat, so I'm good. We're a serious moto show now. We'll be there when I put her brother upside down in the corner. <laughs> I have PTSD from Anaheim 2. a battered woman. Grab your balls. I actually just came from uh, some field with some flowers or something. I got talked into going and doing... <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a get-through-it type of guy. Less uh, cringe-worthy moments. Yeah, what a dick. I don't think I've tried, David, to be less of a dick. Somehow I ended up super looped out. So grease me up. I'm fucking terrified. <laughs> I think I paid six guys. Good evening. The coffin <laughs> is ready and prepared. <laughs> we don't want to put too much pressure on you, Gilly, but you got to change his life. Oh, my God. You guys are so intimidating. Do they yeah. lose any superpowers or anything? Jilly, don't let these guys make you nervous. They're just assholes. It's got to have, like, a pony boner. Oh, I trust right. Chris. He, I, don't, I don't trust yeah. you. We got Anaheim 3, but, whole show. but we just devoted 30 minutes to get yeah. a man getting his pony cut off. Maybe her vagina. How do they fix Roxanne in the whoops? Go faster, apparently, is what everyone else says. I Wait. feel like I'm as big of a dick as ever. How do you say such wonderful things about something that's hacking the hair away from your nutsack? All right, let's take a chance. Oh! Oh, like, uh, kind of. You guys are all pussies. You don't talk enough when we're sitting on the couch. It bugs me. I don't care about these sponsors, all right? Uh, I've used your toilet a lot in that spare room. Welcome back, Pulp Nation. Tonight is a somber moment in Pulp history. The end of an era. Just three more days until Mathis and Kiefer attempt to kill a little part of goodness. With one swift cut, they attempt to drive back the joy and the dreams of the moto community. Don't fret. With adversity, we will grow. Within every individual hair lies a follicle of hope that will not die. Like the pony, those hopes will continue to grow and even flourish. Many of you have spent countless hours in torment, lest the cutting of the pony kills my confidence. Worry not. Although the pony will be gone, the oppression of those behind this heinous act will not prevail. We will not let them take our soul. With that, 
Let's talk about episode 493. But first, my co-host tonight. First up, from Maxima USA, brought to you by Guts Racing, Trevor Reese. What's up, Trevor? Uh, not much, man. Just uh, finishing up a day at the office here and uh, excited to jump on the show tonight. Yeah, man. Getting all, getting that oil sh- shipped out, the SC1, all the good stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, trying to keep up, man. It's been it's been crazy, like for most people, the last you know couple years. So, uh, fortunate to have you know, have, have business still rolling and, and, uh, yeah, again, just trying to, trying to keep everybody happy. Yeah. Probably not easy right now. I know every time I try to order something from anybody that's a sponsor, uh, there's, there's a lot of, quantity is limited. Yeah. It's, it's been really tough, but, uh, I mean, we've been fortunate. We've, you know, we, we've worked really hard and, uh, put ourselves in, in better positions than most. So the goal is to continue doing that obviously. And, uh, keep uh, keep kicking out good product to the market. Yeah, well, one thing I would suggest is just stop sending stuff to Steve. That'll probably cut cut back on some of the product that you have. To, you know, you'll have more in stock. Right, he's he's eating up too much of it. His his budget's been blown out for a little while. So yeah, gonna have to cut it back a little bit. I I, I would suggest that. But uh, next up <laughs> from the collective experience and brought to you by Michelin Bicycle Tires, my boy Dave Drakes. <laughs> What's up, Darkside? How you doing, man? Doing good, man. Good, glad to talk to you. Um, you know, you got long hair. Uh, we're going to talk about the the show in Minneapolis and the haircut. Uh, but uh, man, would, yeah, would you cut your hair for a free motorcycle? <laughs> Ooh, that's tough. So, if you would have asked me maybe a year ago, I would have said no way, not happening. Dude, it's part of the heritage. Can't do it. But lately, dude, I've been wanting a new bike, and it's been getting on my damn nerves. So I probably would do it at this point. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. That's kind of that's kind of what made my decision. All right, guys. So what I want to kind of ask first is just um, an introduction, a little bit of of the show and yourselves, Dave. I mean, you're a longtime listener. Uh, do you feel like the Pulp and Mix show continues to get better all the time, or do you feel like it's starting to f- get a little stagnant? Uh, no, I, I think it's, it's, uh, it continues to, to get better. I wouldn't say it happens, you know, every single show, but year over year, maybe quarter over quarter, start to, you know, I, I enjoy it, man. I think Steve keeps it pretty interesting. I like that this year he doesn't have as controversial a take. So it makes it, it, makes it pretty cool when I go to talk to my buddies at, at the races on the weekends. They're not hating Pulp and you know what I mean? Because I like Steve. I think Steve's cool. But uh, no, I think he keeps it interesting. He mixes it up. He gets people involved and stuff and I, i'm digging it Keeps yeah me interesting. there is a there is that group right of people that either that really can't stand him and probably don't listen all the time but yeah it's like he's a guy that's polarizing you love him or you hate him i think as far as yeah. the content goes definitely definitely and it's tough because like i'm friends with everybody man like i like you know what i mean so it's so weird because like steve's my buddy then i hear certain guys are like oh i can't stand him i'm like yeah. dude it puts me in a weird spot i'm like i just love everybody so yeah uh no I- i'm glad i'm glad that it's kind of getting a little bit more uh i, I, w- I wouldn't say super pc because i think he still has his-, his hot takes which is what we want right uh-huh. um, of course I think maybe not even like conscious maybe subconsciously he's just keeping it a little bit more uh subdued with like you know maybe calling guys out a little bit but still i'm so interested i still love hearing his side of things and i think he keeps it pretty interesting absolutely trevor as a sponsor he he gets a lot of uh i guess roi is the the term right a lot of return on the investment from maxima and all of the sponsors yeah yeah it's been a it's been a great partnership for us and um you know i think the show, it's anything that you do, you're going to have people that love it, people that hate it. That's that's with anything that you do. But, um, I, you know, I think he continues to 
evolve and do new things with the show and the live viewing and all that stuff is, is really good. And ultimately I think Pulp MX and Steve are, are great for the sport. Um, I think, unfortunately, you know, I was a rider racer too. I think our, you know, our industry maybe takes things a little bit more personal when they're ridiculed and things like that, as opposed to say like a stick and ball sport, you know, these guys get ripped apart on national TV all the time. And that's just kind of been part of the deal. Uh, but I know in our industry, it's so much smaller and everybody knows everybody. Yeah. So it, that just kind of comes with it. But, um, I think he's, he's done a good job in, in, uh, you know, maybe smoothing over some of the relationships that were a little bit rough and in the beginning. And I think it's good for the writers too, to come on there. The show has a big following. Uh, I don't think, you know, I think, well, I, I think that people that, you know, tune in and viewers and things like that are looking for, uh, you know, the other side of these racers and maybe learning a little bit more about them, not just seeing them on the weekend. So I think it's a good platform in general for guys to come on, uh, tell their sides of the stories, tell the, you know, a little bit about themselves and, and things like that. So overall it's been, it's been really good for us and, uh, he does a great job for Maxima and, and we're pumped to be a part of it. Yeah. I just thought of the, another idea while you were talking to, uh, you know, maybe I, I need to be a consultant for Maxima. So I already gave you the one suggestion. Let's cut back the product supply. Yeah. Maybe let's cut back. I don't know what, I don't know what the financial deal is with Maxima, but I bet you could cut it in half if you guaranteed him a dogger story a week. Like, I, I, I could get on board with that. I, but the, the, the dogger stories are tough to come by, at least the ones we can tell on the podcast anyway. <laughs> that's true, man. All right, well, we'll work it out. We'll, we'll work it out. Yeah. I'm trying to save Maxima yeah. some money. So. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, I'm Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show. Tonight I'm brought to you by Seal Savers, and we're here this week to talk about episode 493 with my boy Galdi in studio. Justin Starling was also in studio. And on the phone, Steve had Phil Nicoletti, Cameron McAdoo, Dean Wilson, Jack Chambers came on, and of course, Jason Thomas, as all as always, uh, not to mention Chris Kiefer and my hairdresser, man, I'm having a hard, hard time talking tonight, hairdresser slash executioner, Jilly. Uh, thoughts, man. Trevor, thoughts on the show overall, the guest that uh, Monday night, I, I really enjoyed the show, like we were just talking with... Dave a minute ago, and it, it really for me, it never seems to disappoint. The guests are always good, but what do you think of four ninety three? Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was really good. Um, I enjoy when you know Steve has guys on like like Starling, for instance, that were you know they're actively racing or yep. you know they were they rode that track, they were there you know on that day, the specific round that they're talking about. I think that that's always a a cool aspect to the show, just because you get some insight, hey, on how difficult that track was or things that you know the riders were experiencing you know on the track. Um, I think Dean's always a great interview. I, I'm a fan of Dean. Um, I enjoy listening when when he comes on, and again, he can kind of just speak a little more freely and, and, uh, and have some fun with it. So overall, I thought it was a great show. And, uh, yeah. Do you have a favorite guest of the night, uh, whether it be interview or either, or either co-host who was a favorite on the show Monday night besides Steve, he didn't count. Uh, uh yeah, he doesn't count, but, uh, <laughs> no, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed, uh, Dean's part. Like yeah. I, um, you know, I think on paper right now, Dean is a lot better than, than he's been able to show on the weekend. So I think, um, uh, you know, I, I like hearing his side and kind of what he's going through and, and how he feels. And, um, you know, I, I, again, I think he's, uh, he's got some more, to sh you know, potential and, and things that, mm -hmm. that he hasn't been able to show yet. So kind of looking forward to see what he can do as we turn over to the East coast. And, uh, 
I think he's really good in that technical ready type stuff. I think he shines in that type of stuff. So looking forward to seeing uh, what he can do here moving to the east side. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because I have that in my notes to talk about. Uh, but before that, Dave, uh, your thoughts on 493 and who was your favorite guest? Oh, I thought it was a good show, man. And I, I got to give it up to my man, Starling, dude. I mean, I'm just such a fan of that guy. And uh, I, I really like it when he brings on racers yep. that can articulate what it's like to, to be a racer in their experience, right? So can really put some like feeling words and some like good description behind their thought process, what it's actually like racing, getting laughed and racing against guys that they admire, guys like AC, Starling, AJ, like I really like hearing from them. Uh, but I'm just a fan of Starling, man. The guy's got some good style and his, his setup is always sick. So uh, I, I, I love his perspective. Um, really like, always, it's always funny hearing Phil get on and like rant about something. It never disappoints me. It always leaves me laughing, and I, I usually listen at work, so I have to like try to keep myself from laughing as I'm like in a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I absolutely, I, I love those two guys, but I got to give it up to Starling. Man, really yeah. cool hearing his perspective. He was great. The privateer driving across country in a van with yeah. no radio. Man, I, I think yeah. I'd be out. I, I'm not going east if I don't have my music. I, man, I'm out. I can't do it. I can't <laughs> no, do it. Man. No, gonna get some of that sponsor money and uh, fix that radio. Dude, uh, I had a walkie-talkie or something. Yeah, man. He's a <laughs> yeah exactly. All right, yeah. Before we dive into the guests a little deeper, let's start with Steve asking, who's been more impressive in the 450 class? Who's been more impressive? I know the obvious answer is Tomat because you look at the wins and the points lead. But, dude, I think Anderson's risen no, his I've, level I was going to say, I, higher, think, it's, I right? think it's Anderson right. because it's been the gap has been so distant from how, from where he is now, like as far as the championship to where he's back. So I'd say the the surprise is Anderson. I mean, just the sheer fact, again, we talk, you guys talk about it all the time on the show, these guys can switch and jump from the teams. He looks, he looks like he's been there for 20 years. You know, people catting him out. Right. He's so, um, you know, it, off off on social networks. You don't know what's going on. And if he wins the title, it'll be the biggest gap between titles in the history of the sport. It'll be the biggest gap between championship, supercross titles. It's cool because, like again, the the stigma is you know he maybe isn't working as hard or whatever. And you know, Tomac taking the ride. He was putting in the effort. He wasn't going to go over there just like you know the paycheck yeah. you guys have brought up. You know, Tomac looked better in the whoops. And he would gain a little bit, and then yeah. Anderson just kind of made, you know, he yeah. just stayed Anderson the had course. Sketchy he didn't, moments, he didn't yeah. panic. Like, yeah. he didn't, like, oh, oh shit, he's up the inside. I got to do that. Yeah. There was that moment that they yeah. did make the pass. Yeah. But, uh, like, yeah, I, I got to give the nod to Anderson the, right now as a fan. Like, it's it's awesome to see the, and awesome uh, to watch. The turn down by Anderson after Eli got him was pretty impressive to anticipate oh, that. He's ready to go. Traction Dude. In places, I don't know where he's finding yeah. it. Yeah. Kind of torn on this one because it's cool to see Tomac being so good so early, where usually he comes on a little bit later. Man, Anderson is just unbelievable on the bike right now like he's going so fast and he's cutting down in place i've never seen people cut down before and he kind of seems that he can do whatever he wants to do on that motorcycle and that's super impressive but then it's like tomac's now consistent yeah so yeah yeah. so it's like you're you're like which one's more impressive i don't really know because (laughs) one's doing one he's never done before and then now anderson's riding better than i've ever seen him ride before i mean if i'm gonna go off something i'm i'm gonna go big picture I would say Tomac. Uh, let's go to you first, Dave. So, for, well, first, the the fact that Steve may, said that this would be the biggest gap between championships for Jason is incorrect. Sorry, Steve, you're wrong. Uh, 2018 to 2022 is four years. Dungey did it in 2010, and then again in 2015. So, yeah, 
There, screw you, Steve. You were wrong. Hit <laughs> <laughs> him with the stack. Yeah, I had, to, I had to get him. You know, every once in a while, he's wrong, and it's not often, and it drives me crazy. So, uh, but Dave, where do you fall with that man? Uh, the Jason Anderson, you know, who who impresses you the most uh, so far this season of those two? Uh, I, I got to go with Jason Anderson, man, and yeah. I don't want to feel like I'm hopping on the bandwagon, but the way that he rolled the last, I'll give it two or three seasons versus this season, the level looks. So much different. Yeah, he's always been good. I mean, no one, no one can doubt Jason Anderson's racecraft talent, all that stuff. But he, he looks like he's like five or six levels improved of where he was the last couple of seasons. And the way that he's gelling with the bike, the way that he's able to run up front and really like not get pressured, it's very rare we see a guy uh, hold off Tomac and then pull him towards the end of a race. Like, that's almost unheard of. You know what I mean? Yep. Especially a Tomac that's you know, in a top three, a top three position right off the gate. So it just goes to show you how freaking good Anderson is. And he looks so phenomenal on that bike. I would even venture to say he looks better on the Cowie than Eli looks in the Cowie. Uh, the guy just, he, he just, he, he just elevated his game so much. And, and I think Goldie even said the level of where he was versus the level of where he now or is now, that's a bigger gap than Tomac last year versus Tomac this year. We kind of yeah. always like Tomac to be where he is now. We just thought it'd be Later. race number five, six, yep. seven. Exactly. No one picked Jason Anderson being this good at all this year. So I got to give it up to Jason Anderson, man. Yeah. I cannot argue with anything you say. Uh, I was actually going to make that point. Like I think, Eli was expected to do well, maybe later than he has, but eventually be winning. And I don't, yeah, I don't know that anybody was really picking Jason. You know, the the general consensus, Travis, from a lot of media was that Jason's kind of not necessarily mailing it in, but he got his championship, and now he just wants to have fun. And I, I think so. I'm I'm on board with Jason being the most impressive of the two, but let's maybe you have a different opinion of you know what they what their opinions were. No, I mean I would agree with that. I I. For Eli, it's, you know, I think whatever manufacturer he's going to, he, he's he been that guy. So you kind of expect him to be up front fighting for wins, have dominant type rides, things like that. For Jason, it was kind of, it was kind of unknown. I mean, he's, he's proven that he can win, but again, it's been, it's been a handful or, you know, three, four years now. Um, and, and I think, uh, you know, not being with a high level trainer and all these things, people start to you know, murmur about that. He's not going to be as fit and all these different things. So I, I enjoy watching Jason ride the bike, um, you know, to see him come out, be scrappy, be fighting to win, I think is, is the coolest part of, of Jason Anderson right now. I mean, I think if he's second or third, that's an awesome ride for Jason. I think Cowie's happy with that. I think, you know, going into the season, it's, you know, Adam's supposed to be the guy and, uh, Jason's kind of that, that unknown, the new guy. So if he's a podium contender, they're stoked. And then to see him up front and, and fighting, you know, with Eli to win last week. And I mean, he was either going to crash or he was going to win that race. And, yep. um, it makes, it makes the racing exciting and, and it's cool to see him fired up, super comfortable, uh, and, and riding, you know, to the best of his ability again. I totally agree, man. Uh, it, it was a great topic that they brought up, but the, I think the better topic was what they transferred for, from when they went from the most impressive to who are you most worried about? Who are we more worried for, Starling, Webb or Roxon? What's the worry Roxen. level for? Roxon? Yeah. Okay. Webb will figure it out. Roxon, I mean, like when he lapped me, I was like, wow, like 
He's like 10th or 11th right now. Yeah. Roxon, when he gets in these positions the last few years, obviously the season has started so good, and then he kinds of finds. It's not where he's at right now, but he finds himself, you know, fighting for fifths and sixths and stuff. I, I, I just don't even – he just seems so uninspired. I'm just, panic button on him. God, I have no idea because how do you win round one by 10 seconds and then – well, you go back to the same stadium, same type of dirt, same track, felt a lot the same, and get 11th. It can't be the motorcycle. They're on, he's on the same motorcycle as last year. They've won two mains this year, the bike has. It has to be something with him. If I had to guess, I think that he's not been happy with his bike. Crash in Oakland. Spooked him in the whoops. You know, the, I don't like my bike, Honda. And watch me just ride around. I mean, he's a professional athlete. Paid millions of dollars. Yeah. Like... Okay, hey, okay, there's a struggle, but, like, figure the shit out. This is what your job is. Like, you're, 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 well, what mean, you're selling it to me is like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm so big, I don't need to just put in this effort and really take a risk. I think, I it, think he, doesn't, he doesn't trust the bike, so he doesn't want to put the risk in. If he was struggling before, he was able to bring him. Yeah. If he's struggling again, well, bring him. Travis, uh, or, yeah, uh, Trevor. Trevor. Sorry, sorry yeah, Trevor. You're good. Yeah, Trevor, um, so... I brought up when I called in the the situation when when Kenny was on a few weeks ago, and you know they they asked Kenny Kiefer asked him about talking to Lars or dealing with Lars, and he's he sort of seemed very disconnected from the team, and I think that kind of goes. Uh, Steve kind of dismissed it a little bit, but I do think it sort of goes towards what he was saying that like Kenny maybe isn't happy with the bike and he's just out there riding around like maybe he's not. I don't know how to put it. Again, I guess I'm going back to mailing it in. Maybe he's just mailing it in. He's not happy. He's not comfortable, whatever the situation. But there's something to that. I don't think, like, his talent is just gone. I don't think that his health is the issue. I just – I think he's just – I don't think he's putting the full effort in. Yeah, I think – I'm sure the effort, you know, during the week and being fit and all those things is still there. But, uh, I, you know, the level this year and how fast all these guys are going – uh, to, you know, to not feel very comfortable with the bike or to be struggling with setup and things like that. And, and to have, you know, a, a life outside of racing, which I think has progressed quite a bit, obviously with the, you know, birth of a child and all these other things. And so I think as, as these guys get a little bit older, uh, the risk and, and all these things that come along with trying to push the pace to that level, I think it, it gets into the back of their head a little bit. You're riding a track that, uh, has some big rhythms, you know, the tracks was, was pretty gnarly in my opinion, really, really tough set of whoops. Um, you know, his crash happened in Anaheim. I don't know. There's just a lot of things that I think can go through a rider's head when they're, when they're not feeling comfortable and, and, you know, their mind can start to wander out there. And, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's, uh, he can, he can kind of ride it in for the night. And if he's 10th, 11th, 12th place, yeah, the team's not happy. Maybe he's not happy, but, that's what he was comfortable doing with that night. And, and he's going to have to move forward from there and, and work on some things. And, uh, but I don't think it's a, it's a, you know, the efforts lacking to, to be fit or, or to be that guy during the week, especially it's just getting comfortable and getting that confidence back to, to be able to do it on the weekend. Do you think that's quote unquote, okay to do like, okay. Like in the past, Zach, when Zach felt like he couldn't perform his job to his ability he told Husky, "Hey, I, I'm not. I'm not going to take your money. I, I'm. I'm done. You know. And if if Kenny doesn't feel like he could go out there and do his best, if he's just going to ride around, like man, I have a hard time. And Galdi kind of touched on it, dude. You're a professional racer, getting paid millions of dollars. You got to put the effort in. I mean, where where you you race at a high level? Where's that line? 
Yeah, and and I don't disagree with that, but I, you know, to see him win around this year, he obviously is is still capable yeah. to win. Um, and I think he's old enough and mature enough to where if he's going to ride around in 12, 13, 14 plays for the, you know, the next two, three, four rounds remainder of this year, then, then I think it'll be pretty apparent on, on where he's at with his career. And, and maybe it will be time for him to, to, you know, call it a day and move on from it. So I think the next, you know, the next round, the next two rounds are going to be super critical for us to see if Kenny's still that guy and if he can turn it around and, and get back in the mix a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Dave, what are your thoughts, man? I, I do want to say, uh, JT talked about this on the review show that he's, you know, he picked Cooper to be the champion and he's not quite jumping off that, uh, prediction just yet until after Mini. he was going to give it to Minneapolis. And I kind of agree with that, not to the championship so much, but like Mini is the point where I'm going to be ready to hit the panic button. If he doesn't show more, w- what do you think about the uh, conversation? Yeah, uh, I, I kind of agree with that. And normally I wouldn't worry too much. And I think Starling even said that, like, you know what, we're kind of used to web, like, this having just so much fight in them mm-hmm. and coming nowhere and just like surprising everybody, never say die. And then like, you know, boom, he's a champion at the end of the season. But I will say one telling sign for me was, you know, watching him through the whoops last weekend and just understanding how different the, the vehicle architecture is for this brand new KTM he's on. And he did not look comfortable on that thing. I mean, right. he's pushing the front end in corners. You don't see him like you know uh, feeling comfortable, like even jumping through a lot of sections, like um, like like the whoops, for example. He just doesn't look like he's gelling with the motorcycle, and that is just one more obstacle in his way. On top of already having a points deficit, on top of um, you know giving these guys uh, you know a, a, a big head start on the starts, it looks like uh, it just to me it just it makes me a little panicked in the inside for him. But I will say, Roxton's got me much more panicked, man. As a as a as a huge Roxton fan, I, it's so weird seeing this guy make like multiple mistakes in a race, not start top three, and just not have any fight in them when it comes down to the, the latter half of the race. So uh, this past weekend, I mean, he just did not have that same charge, that same fight. Uh, obviously, we all know his pedigree. The guy can win by a minute if he wanted to uh, outdoors and 30 seconds indoors. We've all seen it before. But this Roxton as of late, uh, after Anaheim one, just it, it just looks like something's a bit off, and I don't I don't think it's motorcycle related because it's a very very similar bike to what he's been on in the past. I wonder uh, if it's something more mental, if it's something physical that you know he feels drained or something. But I, I don't know. I'm just panicked because I can't really pinpoint it, and this is just not rocks we've seen in the past. Now. Yeah, yeah, I, I fully agree. I do, I kind of I lean towards the mental side, uh, and. I think this topic is something that we will revisit on Pulpamex over the mm-hmm. next few weeks. I think Cooper and Kenny will continue to be a question unless I just don't, I was say I was going to say unless they turn it around, but I don't really know that I believe they will just yet. Um, yeah. What do you think of Galdi's Rocky Three analogy, Dave? I thought that was pretty fitting, but I think they should have led into now. It's time to go Rocky Four. Kenny needs to go to Germany and train in the snow with all, you know, no, no technology. I don't need any heart rate monitors. I need you to go fucking chop some wood and do some sit-ups out in the snow. But it's, but I like the Rocky analogy. I thought it was really cool. And I was thinking the same thing. I was like, all right, so when, when are we going to hear that he's back in Germany training in the snow? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was a, that's an, or like, you know, him and Davey Mills after sweating in the high dev somewhere, just going back to basics. So, um, definitely, uh, definitely was <laughs> of the same mind frame, but, uh, yeah, I, th- I thought it was a really good analogy. This kind of 
it kind of follows the ebbs and flows of Rocky's career. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. Maybe maybe that's a good sign that we have a, a, a reborn Roxton coming in the next couple of months. We'll see. Who knows? But it was fitting, yeah. Yeah, good job, Galdi, on that. Uh, all right, let's move on to Whoop Talk, man. The Whoops were the you know the discussion of the week. Last week we had Freezy and Christian Craig. This week the review show and the Pulp Mix show were all about the Whoops. Let's hear what they had to say. Whoops, man. We'll get into it with with later on with JT a little bit, but the 250 class was a disaster. And I love seeing the elite guys, the best in the world, go through something that others cannot. I like that. Like what you know, uh, it's when a good I see separation. It is. And I and I appreciate see Christian Craig go through a set of whoops and I'm like, oh my you know, that, that's that's amazing, right? But are we at a point where they should think about changing something? It's just weird. They're like built backwards and when you build them backwards like that, they're going to get, get these just crazy cups in them. And it's like, maybe don't build them like that. Then it won't be so dangerous. Build them big, but you can maybe round them off round more them, instead yeah. of having them so steep. Right. And then they won't get the cups where that's where people start hopping like Hunter hops and drops and it gets pitched off the bike. Have they been too much of a separator? We like them to be a separator too much, though. The size, No. I would say the way that they're built, yes. Well, after Ellie Reed's post today, I think uh, I think we all fucking suck and we should just hang it up. The greatest in the world were even struggling. I think if they would have just, I mean, at the end of practice or halfway through, like, they, they should see. I mean, the problem is I don't think a track or a track builder that builds these fucking tracks has ever ridden the actual tracks that are built. I just want to take whoever built the things or the people that are just watching people KO themselves. I want to take their hand, duct tape it wide open, <laughs> put them in fourth gear on a fucking turf. I can be like, all right, dude, it's on you, man. I'm all for technical woos, but I just don't like seeing dudes die out there. Well, the main event on lap one, I went to the right side, and I was like, wow, these are way more difficult than the left side. Um, and it's just the inconsistency. Like, I don't understand why the guys feel the need that they have to blitz the whoops all main event long. Why not just back out of it? Because I know for a fact, if you threw me on a supercross track at my novice skill level, I would make it 20 minutes because I wouldn't do the jumps, I wouldn't do the whoop, or I'd just roll the whoops, and I know I wouldn't get hurt. <laughs> Hunter Lawrence wants to win, and you have Christian Craig yeah, winning. For sure. And Christian is slaying the whoops. Wasn't pretty the entire time. Yep but he was skimming them the entire time. He's yeah. not going to catch Christian by jumping. Nope. That, and that that's just, part of it. Uh, Trevor, I want to go to you first. So the couple things that really stood out were JT's opinion, which he really brought up on the review show, and that caller kind of agreed with, was like, well, the rider can choose to not blitz him. He can choose to just go through him slower, if that's what it needs to be for him. I don't like that theory. I don't. Yes, he can, but I think that's unrealistic. Uh, you know, these guys are trying to win, right? If Christian can blitz them, then they. I, I don't know. I just didn't think it, it's a logical opinion. I don't think it's a realistic choice, though. Uh, I didn't really like that thought process, and I really don't like that they're not being built. Uh, like. What's the word I'm looking for? Symmetrically, I guess, is the right word. What do you think, Trevor, though? What do you think about the whoops and how they've been this season and especially this past weekend? Yeah, I, I think each round has had a, a pretty gnarly set. I, um, you know, there's there's a couple different factors, I think, when it comes to a set of whoops. Obviously, the size of the whoops, how peaky are they? Are they round? The length of the whoops, stuff like that. Uh, I think the biggest challenge with the whoops this weekend is typically when you have a really long set like that, and the majority of the guys are struggling through it. So they may get through, let's say, the first three or four whoops. And, you know, in a typical set, maybe you've got 
you know, 12, 10, 12 whoops, whatever it is. So, you know, they're over a, a quarter of the way through it or maybe halfway through it before they start having some issues and they can kind of ping pong, hop, whatever, get out of it. The thing with a super long set is you got guys that are struggling, you know, through 75% of that set of whoops. So you get guys that are falling out of rhythm. Now they're rolling, they're bouncing around, they're on the clutch, off the clutch, yeah. trying to jump, whatever it is. And that's ultimately that that's making the cupping of the whoops even worse. Right. So if you have a, a smaller set and the majority of the guys are getting up on top of it and they're only hitting that top portion of the whoop that, that ultimately you're trying to hit, you know, the, the lower half of the whoop isn't going to get as cupped as it's going to in a super long set that everybody's struggling through. So, um, but these guys are having to do whatever they have to do to get through them. And if you got a guy in front of you, that's better in them, you've got to try and figure something out. Right. So yep. if the guy in front of you is blitzing them and, and that's where he's making up time and you're trying to jump through them and you're losing time and you, you have to make a decision there. And, and one thing that I saw Anderson do is it, it was not pretty every single time <laughs> he went through those whoops. But again, he was either, he was going to blitz them every lap or he was going to crash. Right. Them. He, right. He, he he had made his mind up. He knew Eli was good in them in the beginning of the race. Eli was making a little bit of time, you know, on Jason through those whoops. And then Eli started struggling a little bit too, but every lap, man, they'd show Jason come at those things and you could tell he's holding on for dear life, but he's going for it. He's not going to jump. He's not, yeah, he's not changing what he's doing. He's going to figure out a way to get through them. So, uh, they, they've definitely been, been challenging. It sucks to see a lot of guys going down in them. Um, what I've kind of noticed too is, uh, a lot of the privateer guys and, and you know guys in the BNC practice are maybe lacking a little bit of technique with the whoops too. Um, and I know you know during the week a lot of guys will go around the whoops and, and when you get to the race on the weekend you can't go around those things. Yeah, you can ride around them in qualifying, but come race time or, or come you know throwing down a fast lap, you got to go through the whoops. So seems like a lot of guys are, are struggling maybe with a little bit of technique on how to actually enter the whoops and, and get on top of those things and squeezing the bike and just little things that ultimately will, will help these guys if they, if they had, you know, some, some, a little bit more experience or, or were practicing them. So, uh, whoops are always going to be a challenge, big or small. Someone's always going to struggle in them, you know, worse than the next guy. But, mm -hmm. uh, this year, this year it has definitely been a, a huge separator for a lot of the guys. Yeah. Dave, Steve mentioned, you know, or a question, maybe it's time to do something different. And I think kind of what Trevor touched on, I have this in my notes was 14 or 15. I think it was 14 was just about four or five too many when they're that that size like that that really that last few is when the guys were really getting bit and you know that might be something that the riders should be able to come up and say after qualifying or free practice and be like hey you know if there's enough guys saying this is a problem then the track should change it but uh, what were your thoughts no I mean I I definitely agree with that I think if you if you want to have a very long whoop section, you got to design the track a little bit differently. You got to give these guys enough room to get into them and be able to carry speed the whole way through. Mm -hmm. And you got to get enough leeway afterwards to break in time or correct themselves before you hit a corner. I do think big whoops are what what guys like. I mean, very few guys out there will tell you, "Hey, I like really small, quick whoops." Uh, but I do think if they're gonna if they're gonna make them really big, you got to make them in a certain way that is safe for for everybody. Of course, we have to, um, you know. The fast guys are always going to be fast and always going to make their way through. You know, looking at guys like Christian Craig, the guy's an absolute beast. Yeah, he didn't get through it pretty the whole time, but he got through super, super uh, efficiently and super fast. Um, I think guys like Christian, like Malcolm, like Stu, like Reed, they're kind of the anomalies, right? So only the 1% of the 1% can kind of do it like them. 
So I think if they're going to make him big, I agree with with uh, with Starling. You got to roll him a little bit because even on track walk, we can see you know, hey, halfway through there's a dip and then it goes back up and then dips again. That's going to break down really weird and give us a uh, kind of a hard time. And you also have to understand there's not just five elite guys out there. You got 40 guys in each class that are going to be riding that track, and then that gets broken down in 22, obviously. But I think you have to you have to build it a certain way. To, to still have safe but fair and, and fun and good tight racing, right? Yeah. So yeah. I almost felt like I fell on both sides of the coin a little bit. But, yeah, I would say if you're going to make them that big, you have to make them per certain standard so that you're not putting anybody in the hospital pretty much. Exactly, yeah. I think that consensus uh, holds true from the Pulp Show. Uh, Seal Savers, guys. Seal Savers has offered the ultimate – for 22 years, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the first and original fork seal protection that protects your forks from dirt, dust, rocks, sand, and mud. Seal Savers will always continue to innovate and improve, which is what led to the development of the easy-to-install Zip-On Seal Savers. Not only do they have a full line of products for your motorcycle, Seal Savers has the essential products that are crucial for the performance of your side-by-side and mountain bikes. Seal Savers is the ultimate protection. Enter the code PULP25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. I know side-by-sides are getting huge. That industry is growing, especially out in the West Coast and the desert. Well, hell, even here where I live, out in the, the woods, man, people love going, quote-unquote, mudding. If you're going to go do some mudding, you need, you need Seal Savers. Protect those seals, uh, seals and all, the, all those moving parts. Uh, okay, the first call-in guest I want to touch on is Cameron McAdoo. He told Steve... Man, I was, they were talking about Valentine's Day. It was Valentine's Monday night, and he said he was just in a field with flowers. Uh, it's a pretty inter- interesting place. I'm sure he was out there with his chick taking pictures. I think they actually posted those on Instagram today or yesterday. So uh, he actually was out in a field with flowers. Pretty entertaining. <laughs> he's He seems to be confident. He's ready to go. And let's listen to a little bit of that. This weekend, obviously, you're you know touted as a title threat and uh, a guy that can win some races. Going back to last year, you kind of just made a joke a minute ago. You know, it was crazy off the bike and, and stuff like that. Mindset coming in, you know, Jets got all this hype. Do you come in just like get through the weekend, if you will, sort of a veteran-esque look at it? Or are you you're coming in, I want to lay a statement, I want to, you know, go out there and, and, you know, lay it on the line kind of thing? Or is it let's, let's get through it, let's battle, podium, four, three, two, one kind of thing? There was a lot of explosion. Uh, as far as the series went, um, yeah, know, yeah. Just I mean, what's your thought now? Because I mean, this year you're you're a guy, like you're you're paid for to, to win. Yeah, I'm not a get through it type of guy. Uh, I think I made that pretty clear last year. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got to stay healthy, obviously, but I go to do my very best every time, and and I think that honestly, two races, two races really, really shadowed yeah. a extremely good and extremely consistent year for me. I was on the podium every single time other than one Atlanta race and uh, Salt Lake. I got fourth. I got passed on the last lap. Uh, Dave, we'll go to you first. I, I like this question from Galdi on Cameron. Uh, you know, we hear when we go into A1, the guys say, well, you can't win the championship the first round, but you can lose it. Let's get into the first night and kind of feel it out and then we'll, you know, move on. But Cameron's like, nope, I'm not a get through it kind of guy. I, I, I like that honesty. Nope, he's going to go for it. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, I liked it. it. It was like a refreshing take on things because we we kind of hear the robotic like, oh, you know, like you said, just you, you can you can only lose it. You can't win it in the first round. You got to go up there and set expectations low. And he's like, no, nah, dude, I'm giving it my all. You know what I mean? It, it, it's super refreshing, and I think that was apparent in the way he's been racing the last couple of years. Yeah. Now, last year, that dude literally should not have been in the motorcycle 
after some of those crashes, man, and he 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 was back on the bike fighting. So yeah, um, I definitely think it, it that type of mentality garners a lot of respect from the industry, and I think his competitors as well. So um, to, I, I think it's rad, man, and I think it's that's really how a lot of racers feel. They just don't want to say it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah you got to imagine. I mean, we're we're none of me and you aren't pro, right? But I I think we still have that same tenacity everyone that rides a dirt bike has that tenacity we all want to do good we all want to win we all want that you know that uh that that competitive spirit to come through and uh i, I think it's cool that he's letting that shine through man i think it's going to translate into a pretty pretty lethal uh mcadoo this year yeah it's going to be interesting we're going to talk about 250 east here in a minute but trevor cameron cameron has grown into a kid that really has personality when he comes on pulp like every time he's a little better, he's a little more comfortable. He jokes, he he's gotten comfortable within himself, even though he's still pretty damn young. Uh, and you know, he's, he's obviously been involved with Pulp MX for a long time. Cause Steve's helped him out numerous times. Uh, but I love Cameron as an interview. Yeah, he's, he's great. And, um, yeah, great personality. And again, it kind of goes back to what I was talking to in the beginning that Pulp gives these guys a, a cool platform to just come yeah. on and be themselves, you know? So I, I, I would agree with that. What I thought, Trevor, one of the things that stood out to me, and it's not even that important, it has nothing to do with his racing, but when Steve asked him about opening ceremonies and using, uh, I think his girlfriend's name is Maddie, uh, her like one of her songs, and he's like, eh, she's country, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, well, I don't even think the writers get to pick their own songs anymore. Dude, that kind of, being the music guy I am, that broke my heart a little bit. Because I've had, I've always had these fantasies as a kid, like, or even still as an adult and an old man now at 40, like, I want to be able to, I have this fantasy of be able to play guitar and get up and shred or, or like, Oh, someday if I were, or if I were to ever go pro, like come out to Pantera walk, you know, there's like, I have those fantasies. And for me to think that I wouldn't even get a chance to choose my song now, kind of like when you go to Pulp MX, you don't get to pick your song coming out of commercial anymore. That sucks. I was like really, yeah. really bummed by that. Yeah. When I heard that, I, I was kind of surprised too. Like same thing. Like I always thought, that they get to pick the song yeah. right? and then i've had conversations multiple conversations with you know my brothers or friends or the song that i think guys should come out to or <laughs> what song i would come out to you know over the years going to supercross my whole life so to hear that i'm like wow i was i was actually really surprised by that yeah too. that like as minimal of a comment as that is it hurt me like deeply it hurt me yeah, but right. trevor Same. trevor what would be your song oh man my changes probably from month to month, but I think I think mine mine would change too. It was probably different five or six years ago than it would be now. But um, well, give me if you were to I, if you were to come out for open ceremonies at Minneapolis, what are you coming out to? Oof, that's a tough. One. Well, I'll come back to you. I gave uh, Dave. What about you, man? What would you come out to? Oh, dude. So I'd probably come out to run this town. Uh, I've I thought about this a lot, a, a lot, a lot. But uh, yeah, it's like that uh, Jay Z Rihanna song. Okay, I'd come out to that or Paramore. Or some Slayer just to freak everybody out. I like so, the Slayer one, but you know where my heart me, is. Yeah, give me one of those three, and uh, and like, and then you know, if I was gonna like come out and be silly, dude, gotta be my hump. You know what I mean? Just keep people <laughs> guessing, man. Keep okay. on their toes. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm coming back to you, Trevor. Do you think of one? Uh, I'm still. You got me on the spot. But, okay. Uh, Probably, you know, a song that I used to like, and, and only because like my amateur number was was 103. But there's a young Jeezy song that's called "Lose My Mind," and they say 103 over and over <laughs> in it. So okay, because I, I'm I'm a, like 
I love rap. It's I've listened to rap forever, but uh, it, right. would, it would definitely it would definitely be a rap song. I could say that. Yeah, well, mine would be leaning towards metal, clearly, or hard rock. But okay, all yeah. right, fair and enough. And that's and that's that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. I listen to plenty of that too. So, so there was a caller that brought up Steve being a little less cringeworthy. I want to listen to that. Hey, been listening for five years. First time caller from Texas. Just uh, wanted to say I've noticed a real difference in your interviewing technique this year. You're still edgy, which we all love, but uh, less uh, cringe-worthy moments, and I think it's made you more. <laughs> oh wow! Effective. Thank you. Like what kind of what what kind of cringe-worthy moments before? Like what? what give give me an example if you can. Like what, what kind of stuff were you like? Were you like, ah, oh, this fucking guy? No, it was always just like, God, what a dick, you know? Oh, okay. I don't think I've tried, David, to be less of a dick, but maybe so. Yeah, maybe I just. I got a text that says you're still a dick. (laughs) I love that, Trevor. Uh, Now, Steve's still just cringeworthy at times with some of his, whether it be hanging up on a kid or yelling at a dad or whatever. uh, Steve still has his moments where you're like, oh, ah," but that's why we love it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The the thing that I like about Steve is that he's, I mean, he's he's honest and true um, to a fault. And I and I. Uh, yep. Yep. To a fault. Absolutely. You know, people, people take things the wrong way. Um, and, and I've said it before on, on his show. And the, at the end of the day, he is a, a super fan of the sport. Like the guy absolutely appreciates what, what everybody's doing out there. And, uh, unfortunately some of his interviews and things come off a, a little cringeworthy, like people are talking about, but, um, you know, I, I haven't met anybody that I've sat in a room with that can recall, you know, races from the nineties, eighties, early two thousands, the exact round, you know, the top five guys, exactly what happened yeah. in that race, like his knowledge of the sport and commitment to the sport and everything. It's, it's unbelievable. So, um, and, and again, he's, he's just brutally honest and that's what I like about him. Yeah, him and Weed are encyclopedias, man. It blows my mind. Uh, it's crazy. It's yeah, crazy. Dave, you're a longtime listener, man. Has he gotten any better? Uh, I I do think he's gotten a little better. Uh, I wouldn't say it's leaps and bounds, obviously. <laughs> and, and we and you don't want Steve to change. No. 100%. Yeah, you want you still want him to be kind of edgy. Uh, I I do think, like I said before, is he's a little bit more subdued and just calling guys out outright. So that's been you know I think he's he's. Not burning as many bridges, I'll say. Uh, but I mean, you still like him for his hot take. You still like him because he's got a little bit of that that attitude kind of chip on his shoulder. It's kind of funny. Reminds you of you know the grumpy old man next door kind yeah. of. Yes, <laughs> so, yes. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think I think I think it's rad. I mean, um, I, I do like the fact that maybe he's not roughly as many feathers, but I, I like the fact that he's walking the line. He's still keeping edgy and and you know keep, keeping the Steve essence. Yeah, I think that that cringeworthy. I mean, quote unquote stuff is what the, the people that don't like him, that's why they don't like him. But yeah. I take it sort of with a grain of salt and I, I enjoy it, you know? So yeah, I think that's part of his personality that, you know, again, I always go back to the Howard Stern model. People either hated or love Stern, but even most of the people that hated him still listen to him. And, and yep. he, he was, you know, he was as big as, or still is as big in radio as he is because of how good he is at what he does. And although I hate, you know, gargling Mathis, the fact is he is that good and the cringeworthy stuff is part of his personality. It would be boring without it. So, uh, yeah, keep it coming, Steve. Keep it coming. Uh, while JT was on, and we kind of heard some of this audio, just a brief discussion of it a little bit ago, they talked about the Ellie Reed post. Did both of you happen to see it? I didn't see it. 
I went looking for it, but I couldn't find it. I wonder if she pulled it down. I, I, I probably should have pulled it up, but it basically was her saying what they talked about. You know, the writers today, uh, you know, are, are being pussies, basically. It's, it sounded like Chad, and JT kind of alluded that he was probably involved with that. Dude, I don't dig, Dave, those kind of texts. I mean, look, a writer's wife, a writer's girlfriend has her right to her opinion. She has a right to speak her mind, just like anybody else does. I mean, the, the fans that don't that aren't professional racers, people that aren't even in the industry, speak their mind. But I feel like somebody at Ellie Reed's status should know better. Like it, it is very, to me, it was very disrespectful. I, I do kind of agree. It's no different than one of these writers, man friends, maybe speaking out. And in the past, Ellie has bashed those people. So I, I agree. There's no difference Dave. but I just, I don't know, man, I'm a person again, Ellie and Chad are very outspoken. I don't like that though. I don't, I did not like that response on social media, I just think it was inappropriate. I don't know, but you didn't really read it, but based off of what you've heard, where do you stand? Yeah. I mean, just from, just from getting the context of the, from the show, I, I feel just like you do, like, like she should know better. Like as close to the sport as she is helping run a team, her husband is one of the most iconic racers of all time. Like she should know better than that. To me, that's like on the same breath of like, Oh, motocross racers, uh, don't exert that much energy. It's like, what? You've been there. You know, like you see it every day. How how gnarly this stuff is. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I, I just feel like of all people that would that would understand the inner workings of a track and how how differently it breaks down, how it affects each each rider differently. Um, it just it's so shocking coming from her, someone of her stature in the sport. You know, uh, and, and granted, you know, I, I think we have to take it back a step a little bit too, like. She's not a rider. Maybe her perspective is a little bit different than those who throw a leg over a motorcycle, right? Of course Maybe. it is. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? Even even though she has, you know, inside knowledge and her husband is Chad Reed, maybe she, there is still that level of separation. Maybe we're giving her too much credit, right? Um, that she just, she doesn't know from a rider's, from that from it being on that motorcycle, that perspective of looking down a gnarly section and having to hit it, whether it's a whip section, rutted turn, triple, whatever. Um, so yeah, it's it, for me, I didn't dig it. I thought it was a little bit tone deaf yeah. when it comes to how gnarly the sport is. Um, but I mean, take it, take it how it is. It, essentially, and she's a spectator of this thing, so she might not get the full brevity of what is actually happening. Yeah, I actually just found it. So before I go to you, Trevor, I'm going to read it. But I think before I read this, I think she says something like, I've been at Chad's side long enough. I've heard enough that I know like, I understand suspension settings and all that. It's like kind of what the, she alludes to, I believe. I'll read it again in a second. But I'm like, no, you. I don't care how I, I've been riding dirt bikes. I still cannot relate to what those guys are doing hitting a set of whoops like that. And I actually ride, but I can't relate at that level. So I think it's unfair. But let me yeah. read this. Uh, it's a little bit long, but... Uh, okay, pros that can't ride whoops. What the fuck? I love me some long whoops and that 22 going in hot. I'm probably biased, but also I think I have the grounds to stand firmly and say what I'm about to. 22 is one of the best to do it. I've probably watched this process for longer than some of the pros have been racing. I have talked more shop talk conversations about setup and settings that my brain is wired for it. So here's my basic troubleshooting list for the pros who are struggling. It could be one or more of these. Grow some balls. A half-assed attempt at any set of whoops always ends bad. Your bike should work best when you attack the whoops. 
Get your bike dialed in. Riders either have little knowledge of how to uh, how or their test riders hired by the teams are not achieving what they should. Most teams have outdated test riders that are no longer contributing to the benefits on race day and helping their riders actually improve setup. Man, this is terrible. This is evident in teams who consistently have the same issues. There are no excuses for that. Riders deserve better. Teams should hire people who add something to the table. No bro deals. Proper technique. Your man friend, trainer, your hire, you hired knows nothing and isn't actually helping you. Huh, pot calling the kettle black. He takes videos for the gram and you look so fast in those whoops you have rode a thousand times, but get you a new set with fast changing conditions and you're lost and so are they. If you lack technique, find someone you can learn from and actually makes you better. Man, this just keeps going and going. You get the gist. I'm going to stop. That's way too damn long. Yeah. Trevor, go ahead. That's, it's pretty aggressive. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think, um, it's, it's very biased because she's been around somebody that is one of the best to ever ride whoops. Right. So her opinion, uh, always watching, you know, Chad be so great at them and, and always excel in the whoops. Um, you know, I, I, I get that side. She, she's, uh, you know, feels strongly about that, but at the same time, there's guys that are out there right now riding, you know, that are potentially struggling with the whoops a little bit, or have never been the best in the whoops that have beat Chad. So, uh, I mean, uh, to go after even, you know, the teens and things like that, all these guys that are out there that are on these factory level teams, they, they understand the technique and, and know how to hit a big set of whoops. And, um, you know, when, when things are changing and evolving on the track and, and you see guys like Ken that are, you know, having to jump through the whoops or barely getting through the whoops, uh, they're uncomfortable. And, and that's, that's, that's kind of how things have, have always been for these guys. Um, and, and I think guys are, are, you know, they don't want to get hurt. And, uh, so, I mean, I don't know. I can, I can go both ways on that opinion. I, I, I support the technique part definitely. Cause yeah. there are guys that, that I feel like have no idea what they're doing when they approach a set of whoops. Um, but you know, going after the race teams and, and personnel and stuff that that's a little bit harsh. I think these guys absolutely have the best interest for their guys and have people on staff that are, that are definitely aware of, of, you know, how to get their guys through a big set of whoops correctly. Yeah. Most of those guys that probably have bad technique are probably privateer guys that can't afford to, to hire somebody to, to help them with that. And then when she talks about the test riders at the highest level, I mean, you're, you're talking about Trey Kennard, Brock Tickle, those guys might be, have lost a step or so, but they still understand technique and what, how to set a bike up. In my opinion, again, I'm not at that level. Uh, I, yeah. I, I can't, I, I, one of my friends is one of the best guitar players on the planet. In my opinion, he's played guitar for Madonna for 21 years. He's a shredder. The guy is technically one of the best guitar players. Like I said, I've ever seen, but I'm not going to go to another guy that plays guitar and say, Hey dude, you suck. Cause you don't, you know, you're not doing it like this. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Cause I don't play guitar. Ellie doesn't yeah. race dirt bikes. She's never hit a set of whoops. I don't care that she's hung out with Chad Reed for, you know, been married to him and has listened to how you're supposed to do shit. She doesn't know what she's talking about. I, I, I shouldn't get this fired up over it, but I did not like it. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's aggressive. Like I said, Yeah, but, I, don't, I didn't like it. Um, but, and you know, the other side of it too is a lot of privateer guys. And, and I was in that position too. You know, you don't get to ride the factory test tracks and things like that. You're, you're paying your 65 bucks to go jump on a, on a public track that 
one day maybe has a decent set of the whoops and the next day they didn't even prep them. And there's one line right down the middle of them. And then you get to the race on the weekend and you've never ridden anything like that. So for a lot of guys, unless you've got disposable income or, or, you know, the income to be able to, to have your own track and have somebody come in and build a gnarly set of whoops. So that's what you're riding all the time. It is a little bit of a disadvantage, but again, you got to be able to ride everything during the week, whether they're, you know, cupped out, tore up, whatever it is, try and figure out a way to get through them. So you get used to riding in those conditions that aren't ideal, uh, and try and bring that to the weekend. So yeah. again, that, that's, that's, that's my opinion on it. Okay. Uh, before we move on to Dean Wilson, Dave, our, our other co-host here, Trevor, he got some high praise Monday night on the Pulp Mix show. Did you, did you hear it? No, I didn't get a chance to hear that part. All right, check it out. I Great got co- them as a sponsor this year. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. yeah. Oh, nice. Trevor hooked me up. Oh, Trevor. Love great. it. Yep. And, yeah, he and, was great. Sorry, right? He was great in the yeah, show there. What was three really good. four ago? Yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah, he was yeah, really, really he was good in the show, though, too. Yeah. 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 Nice, Trevor. Awesome. Getting some love. <laughs> Getting some love, man. Helping out yeah. Justin Starling and Galdi. They, they, they like you, man. You, you must be a nice guy. Yeah, I, I try to be. I try to be. <laughs> it's good, dude. Uh, Dave, you deal with so many people in the industry. Like uh-huh. when I started getting into the quote unquote industry, when I get my foot in the door, I was like, oh, there's, I got told all the time. There's a lot of assholes out there. A lot of people stabbing the back. Dude, our yep. industry is good, man. I, I don't, other than like Steve talking shit about me all the time, there's not that many people <laughs> that tar- treat me bad. Yeah, no, it, it's great, man. It's, it's you know, it's, it's almost like a one big family when you yeah. get into it, you know start seeing the same people every weekend and i think we're all just so grateful to be part of this great sport and stuff and we all just love supporting each other and um heck you know i've been running maxima for a for a long time i'm looking i can <laughs> look around the corner here and see a bunch of sc1 in the corner so uh, hell yeah uh, awesome. uh, yeah you know awesome. i mean I, I really i really love that everybody that is part of you know any brand we're we're in it for the love of it we all support each other and you know we always want to see each other have a really good time absolutely and talking to sponsors Pulp Max and the Pulp Max wrap-up show. Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company offering high-performance seat covers of foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point in their career, from Lammy and McGrath in the 90s to Ricky Carmichael and Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and many more. If it's style and performance you want, you come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam, and I've talked them on here a bunch of times. Once I get that YZ250, there will be a Guts Racing seat on it, if I ever actually get it, Kiefer, but we'll, we'll get to it. Uh, as I said, Dino, man, he's a guy who is always great to talk to. Uh, he came on to talk about his, his start to the season, what it's going to take to improve his YouTube and having to be careful with what you say on a podcast, that was kind of cool to hear him kind of bring that up that, you know, not a lot of guys will really admit that they kind of hold shit back, even though we all know they do. But let's listen to it a little bit. Are you okay with the start of your season? I think you should be if, if I'm you. Uh, no? Kind of annoyed. Kind of annoyed. Okay. Like, I can't be too I, – I try not to get too out of myself, but it's just like my starts are terrible. Because uh-huh. I felt like after Arizona, I was like real good race for me. Even though I got ninth across the board, it was like – Mm-hmm. I came through the pack, and then, like, at the end of one race, I was right behind Cooper. Then, you know, there was another race I was right behind someone else. You know, I was, so I, I was with the pack, and then when I watched my tape and everything, you know, uh, I'm, you know, like when you, like, go around a corner, then you see someone else in the rhythm, like, yep. you're, like, the, you're, like, a marker. Like, I was the same as um, Mookie in the third race, and, like, it's, like, so it's, like, this pace is there. It's just put myself in that position. So then this weekend, 
started off pretty good in qualifying, but then it kind of just went downhill from there. I'm literally having like the ba- the battle of death with rocks and 11th place. I'm just like, holy <laughs> I just feel like I need to just get in that top 10, top 10, you know, top top 8, top 7. You know, it's creep up there. Like, I, I know I can and I have the mm-hmm. ability to do it. I just put myself in the position. And that's why I get frustrated because yeah. I just put myself in bad possessions, always having to come through the path. Trevor Dino is just one of the best people. He's he's a great interview. But what I want to touch on from that is, you know, he he touched on. They talked to him a little bit later about like he's gonna he wants to get better. Obviously, he he needs to get a good start. He feels like he can run up front. And you kind of touched on it a little while ago that you ex, you kind of expect him to get better, to improve, and move up here in the next few weeks once we get east. Correct? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think he's he's one good start away from from riding up there and, and fighting for. I I would say somewhere between that, you know, five, six, seven range is is where I realistically think he can be. Okay. Um, and and that would be kind of my my expectation for him. I uh, you know he's starting to qualify a little bit better. Um, I, it's it's hard because I know, you know, he's upset, you know, you know, ninth, 10th, things like that. But, you know, these guys that are in sixth to 10th are high level guys, past champions, things like that. And, and they are, I mean, that's, that's some of the best racing that's on the track right now. These guys are going at it. So I know it's, it's frustrating. I think if you asked any of these guys that are finishing eighth or ninth, they're not happy, uh, but the guys around them, they're, they're no hacks. You know what I mean? No. So it's, 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 uh, the class is unbelievable this year. Everybody's, getting fitter and fitter and faster and faster. And, um, the start is, is always been, you know, crucial and something that everybody talks about, but, but more than ever right now, these guys got to get good starts if they're going to finish, you know, somewhere inside that top five, let's say. Yeah, that's a fact. And I, I had Dean on last week and this topic was something I wanted to touch on. So I pulled, pulled some, uh, uh overalls for a few different races, uh, and sorry, Steve, I know I'm kind of getting off of the topic here a little bit, but listen to this. So at A1, uh, Dino got 12th. In front of him was Adam C. Cirillo and Jason Anderson, just two in front of him. Justin Brayton finished behind him. At Oakland, Dino finished 10th with Joey Savacci and AC and Kenny behind him, Marvin in front of him, Chase in front of him. Uh, A2, he got 9th with Cooper Webb in front of him. Marvin in front of him, Shane McElrath right behind him, and then I say Glendale. He got ninth with Cooper Webb and Marvin in front. AP Dylan Franis, Shane McElrath behind him, just right behind him. So that like his finishing positions, and I I kind of brought this up. I said you really can't like you could beat those guys. I'm not saying you can't beat those guys, but there is not a guy surrounding you that I go. Dino should absolutely beat those guys. Like the field is so deep. I find it very difficult that you should be too upset with a 10th, 11th, 12th right now. I think that's to me, Dave, that is where he's at. That's, I mean, yes, I think he could get a fourth or fifth if uh, things fall into place perfectly, but I don't expect him to do a whole lot better than what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, especially since the people that, that he's around are, past title winners like himself you know yeah. what i mean like he he's in the mix of some of the best riders in the world he's holding his own it's just that the the, the talent pool like you said is just so freaking deep you know what i mean so i i, I think like, like you i think you mentioned it a little earlier is he's riding much better than it looks on paper pa- people see ninth place that's all they see they don't realize oh well our outdoor champion Dylan Brandis, he got 10th and then Shane <laughs> McElrath 
who was an absolute beast, he got 11. You know what I mean? So Dino is beating some fast guys. He's pacing with some fast guys. He's hanging right there with them. It's just, if you don't get a good start, like you mentioned, that that's, that's what happens, man. It separates you from the fastest guys on the planet versus the fastest of the fastest guys on the planet. Yeah, exactly. Yep. You know, with, with a good start, he could get that fourth place to your point. He could get that, you know, he could ride up there with those guys. No problem. Uh, it's just it, it, you're splitting hairs at that point when, when you get up there with, with the guys that are this elite, this fast, and this, this season. Yeah. Dave, one of the things that Steve brought up during the interview, but right at the beginning, he he mentioned that Minneapolis is a day race, which apparently nobody in the industry knew. Uh, I had no idea. Yeah. Well, absolutely. <laughs> none of the riders did Monday night. None of the riders seemed to, on the, the 250 East press conference last night, like everybody either didn't know or they just found out yesterday. So we got to figure that out, Phil. That's some, we, that's, that's not good, but he, Dino likes the day races. Uh, Justin Starling said he likes the day races. Dave, I don't like the day races. Mm, God. So I, I typically, I, I don't really care for them that much either, but to Starling's point, when we get out of the races, it's close to midnight almost. Yeah. And man, we are starving and sure. there's nothing around to eat so oh come on man you, you, it's always you, open oh but you know me man i'm a, <laughs> I'm a big food guy I, i'm not i'm not skinny by any means so <laughs> i like to eat good and then we're, when we're leaving places we barely can even find fast food so yeah i know uh yeah just for that one fact of like you know getting out around eight thirty nine when like you could still sit down at a nice place get a good meal relax a little bit decompress from the day that goes such a long way man i can't tell you Leaving A one, we literally just all went to bed. Like we were starving. Shit, we were I went tired. to In and Out. We all, Man, me I, and Moto <laughs> Limited, and hell, even Justin Barsha was at In and Out. We couldn't find anything. That really? we, we, we were stuck in, we were stuck in traffic. Uh, then the lights in the rental car kept going out. We were just like, oh. we can't find anything. We're we're hungry. Well, <laughs> we're going to bed. I was there for another hour because of the press conference. So I think it was about one a.m. Gotcha. And then me gotcha. and the Moto Limited guys, yeah, we went to In and Out, and Barsha was out in the van, and his wife was inside picking up the food. And yeah, we just got us some In and Out. So, but Trevor, like Supercross is rock and roll to me. Like it's the lasers, it's the smoke, it's the monster girls and the flamethrowers and you know, all they don't do the flamethrowers anymore. It's that's not going to be cool at four o'clock in the afternoon. No, I think from a, the fans perspective, you know, or a viewer's perspective, that's, that's why they go right to, to kill the lights and, uh, and, you know, shoot fireworks and, and do the whole deal. Opening ceremonies is, is always what you look forward to when we're going to watch it in person. So to, to have opening ceremonies during the day or midday, I don't think it's, it's quite as strong, but you know, from a writer's perspective, I, I understand why they like it uh, aside from, you know, finishing up late night and things like that. Uh, day races is, is way more routine for what they do during the week. Yeah. Too. So, you know, it feels like a day at the test track, right? You're, you're at the track by eight, nine o'clock, you warm up, things like that. You knock your motos out. So I, I think they enjoy it because it, it feels a bit more routine to them. Um, but I can definitely, you know, I, I personally, like, I, I still want to go to the race to watch opening ceremonies. Like, yeah. I look forward to it every year. Like, Anaheim One's like, the first round. You know, who's coming out? What kind of songs are we going to listen to? What are they going to do during opening ceremonies? Yeah. Like, I still I still love going and watching that. So, yep. fans, yes, they are bummed, but I, I do understand why riders enjoy the day race. You know, and Steve, he was excited. He's like, well, i got to change flights. You know, i got to get me a flight out Saturday night. Well, I can't even do that because I fly southwest because I'm cheap. And, like, the latest flight out is, like, 3 o'clock. Well, we're still going to be at the track. So, still I'm be still there, stuck yeah. till Sunday. 
So, yeah, I guess uh, to Dave's point, though, I will get to go have a good meal Saturday night. I'll probably be by myself because everybody else is leaving. <laughs> but, oh, well, I don't like the day races, but it is what it is. And, you know, we're going to probably touch on the Denver race here in a little bit when we get to the Yamaha LCQ Challenge. But that's even crazier, like, you know, qualifying or part of qualifying on Friday. Dude, I don't – keep the schedule the way it's supposed to be, Phil. Just leave it alone. It works. I like it. It makes me happy. Quit messing around. Uh, let's see here. Uh, East Coast. Let's talk about East Coast. Uh, you guys are looking forward to the 250s, I assume, and Dino's looking forward to the East Coast. You think, Dave, that the the East Coast rutted tracks really give a single rider an advantage? Is there anybody that stands out to you? Oh, man. Uh, I always like to see the younger guys. Like I wouldn't say rookies necessarily, but maybe guys from their sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love to see them on the East Coast because I, I think it's a little bit more forgiving. So the dirt's a little bit more squishy. You get more traction. Um, yeah, you do get a little bit more ruts, but you can kind of you can push your corners a little bit, be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, watching the rookies in the in the West Coast just slide out everywhere, man, it's just it's heartbreaking. So yeah, uh, I, riders that come to mind are like you know I, I think that's going to be really cool for like a Jet Reynolds who's making the move up. I think it's going to be really cool to see what Jet can do. This is not quite his. Uh, uh, not quite his sophomore year, but uh, yeah, it, it's going to be really cool to see what Jet can do. Lawrence. Uh, Jet Lawrence. Uh, uh, Jet Lawrence, yeah, yep. Yep, Jet Lawrence. Uh, coach. Um, I, I, I think just Fortner, you know, being on, on the East Coast, being really aggressive, I, I think it lends itself to guys just hanging out just a little bit more um, through some of the, like, like I said, corners, some of the jumps and stuff, but you got to be careful through those transitions because as the, the dirt wears away, you get some rust in it, it can come up and grab you. But yeah, uh, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say necessarily just one rider okay. in particular. I, I just like the race on the East Coast side for some reason. Hey, uh, Trevor, sticking with Dino for a minute, he, he touched on, you know, they were talking about his injuries and he kind of mentioned like, Hey, I had to keep some of them secret. And, you know, he said something along the lines of like, what team would want to hire me knowing I'm injured like that. Man, that's tough. You sit there and think about a guy like him that gets some one-year contracts and is bouncing from team to team. Like, that really does kind of suck, man. This guy never really gets – Dino really never gets a chance to settle in and, like, be comfortable. You know, okay, I'm good for next year. Like, man, how nerve-wracking this, that must be. Oh, it's it's got to be extremely difficult. And I think mentally is probably the, the biggest challenge with that is um, – yeah, just feeling like you're you're always fighting just to try and survive for another year or get to do it another year. Yeah. Hopefully get a contract extension for another year. You know, so I think it, it probably mentally weighs on him um, quite a bit. And unfortunately, man, he's he's just been through so much. But what I love about Dean is that, uh, you know, he's always positive. He's always got a smile on his face and, and he gives you his best. You know, I, I got to imagine how that guy feels when he wakes up in the morning. You know, it's probably worse than some you know he's had multiple multiple knee injuries and things like that and um so to see him every year continue to to be in shape to fight to put the work in uh i I mean i I, i've been around dean since you know we were on 85s and and known him a long time and and when i was racing too seeing him at the test track and everything i mean the guy just hammers laps he puts the time in and i don't think that's wavered so um i hope he you know this is kind of the year where he can start to be that guy that, that everybody thinks he, mm. he should be or that he used to be. Yeah, I do want to touch on one thing you said. I'm going to go a little Chris Kiefer here. I don't okay. think Dino ever wakes up in the morning 
in his bums when you wake up next to Sarah. Just, I don't think that's possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I think he's... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we'll just leave that alone. Uh, but speaking of going east, the 250 East Coast starts this weekend. Uh, 250 East, uh, give us your podium. Phil Nicoletti. I think Jet's the man to beat. Uh, I thought he was going to be the man to beat in the, in the West as well. Um, I think this is the year where he really breaks out. I, I'm really curious to see what Jamar does. I'm gonna, I think he gets on the podium this first round. I really do. And then I'm a big uh, McAdoo fan. So I don't know that he's going to get third, and I'm not. I'm going to pick him for third because I want him to be third here. I actually like that podium. The so, other one would be I, maybe RJ. I, oh, Faulkner. Oh yeah. I yeah. Have, well, and yeah. RJ is, has a special spot for me. Yeah. For the guy and wearing fly. Um, the only thing with with RJ is he, honestly, I believe he could win. You know, half the races if he doesn't crash. Yeah. Um, but until he proves to me that he can do 15 plus one consistently, then I'm going to assume he's not going to. Trevor, I'll start with you, man. Um, they kind of brushed over Austin. How do you feel about their picks Monday night? Because I feel like Austin's one or two for me. And I honestly, I don't have J-Mart in the top three for the, I mean, maybe for the championship. But right now, I actually have him fourth. But where, where do you stand? What do you think about their picks? Um, I, I like their picks. I, I think um, those are going to be the four or five guys that we're going to be talking about. Jet's going to be, he's going to be solid. He's ready. Um, I think. I think he is a little bit better of a rider than, than most of these guys. So it's going to come down to uh, him trying to, you know, minimize mistakes and, and get good starts and get up in front. And uh, he's got one of the best techniques that, you know, I, I've seen in a long time with these guys where he's just super comfortable, feet on the pegs, super balanced on the bike, rides over the front of the bike really well. Um, and I think, you know, on technical tracks on the East Coast that are going to get rutted and things like that, he's he's going to excel on those. Um, Jeremy's another guy that's, it's, I, I don't, I don't have a, a, a good gauge on where he's going to be. I feel like he's been kind of quiet, just kind of doing his thing. We know he has raw speed. Uh, I think he can absolutely fight for wins and podiums. McAdoo, same thing. If he can stay off the ground, get good starts, uh, eliminate some of these mistakes that we've seen in the past. I think he's up there battling too. Same thing with RJ. RJ's always been really, really fast. Uh, has the ability to win. It's just these little mistakes every year that seem to hold him back. And honestly, Forkner's kind of an unknown for me. I, I I don't know where to where to put him at. Um, I, I hope he's you know the guy that he used to be, and he's up there battling with these guys. I think PC needs a uh, needs a good run on one of these coasts with their guys, you know, to get some guys up up on the podium consistently and, and winning races and fighting for titles again because it's been kind of a a tough go for them over the you know the past few years with guys getting banged up and stuff. And uh, I think they have. They have guys that can win. It's just, again, eliminating mistakes, keeping guys healthy, and getting some confidence back in them that they can be up there every weekend. Yeah, Dave, I want to get your thoughts, but to touch on Forkner, in the press conference yesterday, he mentioned uh, he got some bike changes that he wanted last year and could not get. Like, they just weren't going to do it. Uh, And he was on my show last night after the press conference, Dave, and he said basically – they fixed the starts uh, at at Houston last year. I think he got hurt in round three, Houston three. But one and two, he was really good, really fast. But he was getting bad starts and having to come through the pack. And he said, man, the, the starts, what they changed, whatever it was, he didn't really give me the info, was light years better than it was last year. So, I man, he, he's in my top two. But wh- where do you stand on their picks? And tell me yours. Oh, man. So, yeah, I, I have to say I love J. Mark, big fan of his. I don't see him being in the podium quite yet. I, yeah. I, I'd give him a podium maybe in a you know another race or two or three, 
But I wouldn't say he's, you know, definitely podium guy week in and week out. I think we just have too many guys in the class that are SX specialists, which I think most people would say Jay Marty's not. Yep, um, I agree. I, I do like the pick of uh, of Jet Lawrence being that one or two guy. Um, I, I don't I don't agree with uh, what JT said about him being you know the lights out guy and the West Coast either. I think that Christian Craig is on a whole nother level. I think uh, Jet would have had his hands full with Christian Craig. He would have had his hands full with a healthy uh, healthy Colt Nichols. And Moseman picked it up a notch this year too. I mean, I think he would have had his hands full with with uh, with Moseman and his brother. So uh, I, I don't nothing against Jet. He's a good buddy. I like him a lot. But uh, I, I, def, I definitely think that uh, he would he would have had his hands full. I do like him for the for the East Coast. I think it's this style of track and dirt really lends itself to the way that he rides. Um, as far as the whole Forkner conversation goes, that one's a tough one. I think this is going to be a, like the pivotal year for for Forkner. We all know he's talented. He's in my top two any given weekend. Him and Jet. I just think that he needs to figure out whatever it is that is causing him to have these mental lapses and lose focus and go down and crash, which knocked him out for the entire season. I don't think he can afford another season of, uh, you know, not living up to his potential or, or just getting hurt even. So, yeah. He, and he agrees. Uh, he, he, he said that last yeah. night he admitted to not having his head where it needed to be outdoors. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and like he said, he, he feels like he has that handled. So we'll see, but yeah. Um, I hope, yeah, yeah, I do too. And I, I think guys like Max Volin and even Levi kitchen are going to get their nose in there a little bit. So it's, yeah. I cannot wait for East, but, uh, I'm amped for it. Yeah, yeah. Mac Boland looks so good in practice, man. All the training videos he's posting up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, it looks like butter. He looks, I know. He looks good. I can't wait. But let's move on. Uh, Phil Nicoletti, Dave, is one of my favorite guests when he's on. Where does he stack for you? Where does he Where does he line up with other guys oh, as a guest? Oh, man. He's got to be in the podium for me, man. Okay. Like, good. I, I obviously, I love, I love GL. The guy is hilarious. Oh. You get him a little tipsy. He's phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, uh, I, but Phil, dude, Phil cracks me up, man. I love how grumpy he is. Uh, he, his, his takes are always hilarious. And I love when he's like, dude, we're not cats. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my God. Come on. Uh, yeah. no, the dude, dude, the dude is just, he's so funny. I, I actually remember the first time I saw Phil. I was like on the like on an eighty five. I think he was on a big bike, and the dude was just killing our local track because he's from New, he's uh, from New York, and I was from Connecticut. So, uh, dude was just absolutely destroying the track. He gets off the, gets off the track and is frowning the entire time. That's all I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Which is That's such great. A thing. Yeah. yeah, such I, a Phil thing to do, man. <laughs> I had to pull off of the uh, the press conference last night after about twenty minutes to start my show, so I didn't hear it all. But Daniel Blair came on my show at the end and I asked him about the press conference. He said, Oh man, Phil, uh, Trevor, he said, Phil was the, the star of the press conference. They asked him a couple questions and his questions were, or his answers were so funny that like that's, he got all the questions after that basically is how Dan, like Daniel said, everybody just started going to Phil cause he was the star. I got to go back and watch yesterday's press conference, but, uh, where does he stand up for you? Oh, he's, he's probably top three as well. And I, I don't know Phil personally, but I, I always enjoy when he's on there just yeah. because he, I mean, he is not afraid to speak his mind. He's <laughs> no, not got at all. Something funny and, and grumpy to say about something. Um, so, yeah, I, I enjoy when he's on the show. Uh, I enjoy when Villa's on the show now, too. I, I think he's he's awesome on the show. And, 
Same thing with Volman. He's probably that'd probably be my top three that are on the show. Okay. Uh, some of the Volman episodes, again, he's just not afraid to just say it how it is. Yeah, and, he doesn't give and a I, shit. I, I, yeah, and it, it cracks me up. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, well, let's listen to a little bit of what Phil had about what Phil said about being ready for the two fifty East Coast. Are you ready? Are you ready for Minneapolis? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think so. We'll see on Saturday. But uh, I mean, I feel okay. Go in there, have some fun, bang some bars, and see what the result is. What a fucking lame answer. What? You're like 80 years old and is going in this class with kids. You should be like, I'm so fucking ready. I'm going to hit somebody. I'm going, like, you're not winning. We know this. That's not going to happen. But, like, like, let's give me the attitude you have in text messages and phone calls. I don't know how to say it. I, I mean, I feel good. So, I don't know. I don't know where I'll finish. I'm qualifying hopefully between 17th and 22nd. So. <laughs> how worried are you about performing for him? Like, what are we? What? Uh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. Last time it was, I don't know, last year, <laughs> I was just way behind the eight ball. It, it just sucked. I can't even compare it last year. This year, just a yeah, different place. I feel better. Off-season prep has been okay. Um, some of the young guns still kind of stick it to me on during the week. Where, mm-hmm. What are you realistically expecting, Phil? What, what would you be happy with leaving, leaving Minneapolis with? Um, I'd like to be, eight, you know, eight to ten. Okay. You know? Okay. Dave, uh, the people, some of the listeners on YouTube when I was watching were like, oh, Phil sounds too happy. What the hell's wrong with the world? He didn't sound so angry. And then he even kind of said, ah, you know, uh, what do you say? Uh, eight to 10. Like he's being a little more realistic. He wasn't biting people's heads off with their with their thoughts because I think JT said he expected 10th to 15th. Mathis said 13th. Starling said 12th. So they kind of expect him to be about where he feels he is. He was actually being a pretty realistic but very funny at the same time. Yeah, definitely. I, I think uh, you, you can tell that he's kind of, he's liking the buy. He's liking where he is. He's yeah. feeling good about it. Like he's a little bit more jovial than normal. But yeah, it was cool to see him be kind of realistic. And I, and I think he was kind of shortchanging himself a little bit. I, I, don't, I suspect that he'll be, you know, eight, seventh, eighth, maybe even get like a sneaky sixth here and there. Like Phil is a very, very good rider and he's been muscling around his 450s for so long. Like, right. Jump down to a two fifty. I'm sure he's gonna he's gonna feel like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> well, I'm <laughs> you know? not gonna say you're wrong, but like Dino, listen to this lineup for East Coast. We've already talked about Jet Lawrence, Austin Forkner, RJ, Jeremy Martin, Cameron McAdoo, Max Volan, Pierce Brown, Levi Kitchen, Mitchell Oldenburg. Dude, that's uh, nine guys right there. I'm not saying mm. Phil can't beat some of those guys, but that's I th- I feel like his tenth or eighth to ten is pretty realistic. Like I I think. On a good night, yeah, maybe he'll be top five or six, you know, but not consistently. I don't think. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. I would. I wouldn't say it's a consistency thing. I'd yeah. say that he's more of a capable. Yes. Thing, you know? Yes. 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 Uh, yep. Dave or uh, Trevor, I, I talked about him being happier. I actually texted Steve, like, ask him about Valentine's Day, and, and I don't know if that's why he did, but dude, Phil bought flowers and the whole nine yards. Like, is, is this? Did something happen? It's the invasion of the body snatchers. <laughs> sounds like it like i guess it's just in a maybe he's, he's in, in love. a good place he's in a good place right now yeah sounds like things things are good for phil yeah it was cool and then nash called in and asked if he would uh ever do a gncc and he said absolutely not three hours on a motorcycle is not something i want to do <laughs> <laughs> he's great and the duct tape the duct tape thing which we heard in the whoop conversation that was great that's just phil man he is absolutely the great the funniest like i i do if you guys don't listen to the wrap-up show every week i'm sure you don't 
Mark's kind of touched on it last week. I, I take little clips from Pulp that I think are funny each week, and I just smash them all together. And when Phil was doing his weekly check-ins, I could get two minutes out of Phil. Just one-liners that he said in his 20-minute conversation, I can get like two minutes of, of just running one-liners. He he is an absolute blessing to this wrap-up show. I wish he was on every week. Uh, <laughs> but you guys know all about Michelin Motorcycle Tires from the Pulp Mix Show. Michelin Bicycle Tires is a proud sponsor of the Pulp Mix Wrap-Up Show. And in 1891, damn, it's a long time ago, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire. And to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin Bicycle Tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products such as the Mountain Bike Wild Enduro, the E-Wild, the Jet XCR competition, and the Road Power Road, the Power Road Road Tire, as well as BMX Tires, 20-inch. They've got some racing tires for those. Check them out at bike.michelin.com. Okay, the Race Tech Rant, Pulp Code Pulp 22 to save. Dude, this is usually my favorite segment. Man, it wasn't so much this week, Dave. I felt like it was a little weak. I'm going to play one of them. There was three, but let's listen to this. Wedgman's on another level later. Imagine that guy on a star bike. That's what I said, and then Jordan Bailey got all mad at me. So I, I maybe shouldn't comment anymore. But, yeah. I like uh, to see him on a star bike. Yeah. No, I agree. I think these teams should give guys like Wageman or Carnow. I feel like Carnow like, on like a PC bike could really what, be what, what good. I, what I want is teams to, instead of bringing up kids for to four-year deals and five-year oh, deals. No, no, no. I just <laughs> How about yeah. what – like you don't know if these kids are going to work out. Right. And there's been many of them that haven't. Why don't you look at a guy like Wageman or Carnow or whatever. I'll give you a few different examples. Instead of investing hundreds of thousands of dollars in this kid at Loretta's and watch him grow and maybe doesn't work at maybe – I'm going to take this pro kid right here that is just below factory dudes on a privateer team, and he looks like if he had structure and a bike, he could do something. I'm going to hire him. A lot of it is who you know. A lot of it is what the sponsor wants. So, okay, fine. Give him a fill in then. <laughs> Whatever you guys want. Okay? I'm just fucking trying to get that point across. I get, you get your point. Get the pro kid that you haven't spent hundreds of thousands of dollars no, on. No, I agree. And give him a shot. Trust me, I... I'm not saying you need to hire four of them, but save a spot to make a kid into something. Uh, Trevor, I, I said that this wasn't one of my favorite rants, and it wasn't a bad rant. It just wasn't as wound up other than that one moment as usual. That's what I find entertaining about him. But I do like the concept. Uh, I see both sides. I see the team side of it a little bit. Man, I would. it would be really great if, you know, Pro Circuit Kawasaki or whoever had a spot for, like you said, Logan Carnow or Kate or, or somebody, you know, maybe the, the younger kids like a Carnow, um, who else is doing well? You know, any of the privateers that are uh, that are, are doing pretty well. Um, Wageman, he, he mentioned Robbie Wageman, the guys like that. Like, it would, it'd be cool if those guys could get a shot for a season and had a little, you know, a little more backing and not have to worry. Maybe they get paid a little more. Like, I, I think it's a good idea. I don't think it ever happened. Yeah, it's, it's I, I'm totally on board with it. I think there's a, you know, the, every year for forever, there's always been guys that people would probably feel like or or they felt like, hey, if they had a little bit better platform or a little bit better opportunity, um, they could, you know, show what their capabilities were. So 
I'm, I'm totally on board with that. I, I get both sides of it. You know, the, I think the, the fostering of these kids is, is more aggressive than ever from the amateur level all the way up right now. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's, there's, uh, a, a lot of guys that come up through the ranks and, and, you know, sign these multi-year deals and, and don't work out to be the guys that, that people expect them to be. So, uh, if, if teams were more willing to grab some of these guys that are out there, you know, spending their own money fighting to get to the races and putting in good rides and give them an opportunity. And it, it's happened in the past, but it's, it's very inconsistent on, on mm-hmm. grabbing these guys. So, um, I, I'm on board with that. I would, I would love to see some of these guys get a, get an opportunity on a, on a factory level bike and, and see what they can do. Yeah. I would imagine Dave, that it would be minimal, uh, cost for a factory team to let's, let's just take Carnell. I don't know what his, oh, he's doing his own thing right now. Right. But like, or let's say take Wageman from uh the the nuclear blast team and like i don't know what his deal is but i would think it'd be very minimal for a factory team to take that out of their budget and give him the same deal but pay him a little bit more and and it'd be a little bit better equipment like it'd be it'd be cool i mean it'd be good for the sport i think um but yeah what are your thoughts what do you th- i hate that for the nuclear blast team because you know robbie's killing it yeah yeah so I, I, I have to kind of agree with, with, uh, with Steve a little bit. I think it will help everybody. So okay. number one, you would spread the wealth a little bit, right? So you give guys like a Carnell, like a Surratt, like a Wageman opportunity to showcase themselves, be on better equipment, make a little bit more money. But also it saves the factories a little bit more money because they're not giving a million dollars to a, to a kid. You know what I mean? They're kind of splitting the wealth a little bit. It also alleviates a lot of the pressure that a new kid comes up with. So think about when AC first went pro. The, the weight of the world was on that kid to perform, right? I mean, he's got a big, big money contract. All eyes are on him. He's the guy. But if you, if you take that, take that away from him a little bit, give him and say, Hey, man, you know, no pressure. We're just going to give you a year contract there first to see how, see how you do, or maybe even two year. And we're going to go from there. Uh, you know, low stress. Uh, you got, you kind of got to earn your way still. You know, we're not going to tell you this is the next big thing. We're going to share a little bit of the publicity, a little bit of the fame, a little bit of the cash, all that yeah. stuff with this kind of a like, like this car now level rider. I think it would help a lot of people. A lot more people would get in, in, in enthused about, you know, their, their favorite privateer rider getting a good ride. Uh, it shows that the sport is reaching its tentacles out a little bit more to kind of help other people besides their, their superstar kids. I, I think it would go a, a long way if, if, if it's done right. I do too. Again, I, I, I wouldn't want to take like specifically Robbie away from team solitaire nuclear blast. Yeah. Cause I, I love yeah. those guys. That's one of my favorite, one of my favorite pits to go into. Uh, awesome but, <laughs> but I would like to see Robbie and Karn out. What'd you say? Uh, awesome food. Oh yeah. 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 yeah they yeah. got some of the best food around, man. <laughs> nice. Dude. I always go to the fly truck. Maybe I need to hit up team solitaire this weekend. Then. Oh dude. Come on. They, their food is just, uh, they, at least a couple of years ago they had, one of the best chefs I, I mean at any five-star restaurant this guy was making pulled pork sandwiches that would make you want to punch your mom holy face, crap Chris, chris elliott so good. yeah chris elliott <laughs> so let me know good. what you got on the on the menu for this weekend because i this is gonna be a weird weekend with the weather so food might be uh critical so oh, yeah we'll be in park is- <laughs> yeah all right let's uh let's move oh well, the, the other two uh rants galdi had one that i couldn't really follow uh he said let's see what's uh, what do you say? People, people at home, 
uh, should try to believe in people that want to take risks. Why spend money on this? Why? I, 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 he lost me. I think I kind of knew where he was going. Like the 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 fans of the sport, the Canadian sport, need to support the promoters. I think is where he was going, but he lost me a little bit. And then Starling went back to the whoops again. We've already touched on that. So what I really want to move on to is this Yamaha LCQ Challenge in Denver, guys. This thing, dude, I am trying to change my schedule because I was not scheduled to be there. But the idea, from what I understand, Denver on Friday, there's going to be a qualifying practice, and then Steve Mathis is getting a race. And uh, he, the points are probably going to go back to fifth, or back from first to fifth, or the money's going to be paid out from first to fifth, excuse me. In the 450 LCQ Challenge, six minutes plus a lap. Pookie's going to be the 30-second girl. Heather Kiefer possibly will be the the gate girl. I don't know really the, what the title of that is. But anyway, this thing, dude, is going to be complete mayhem. Um, he's going to have wild cards. So, like, he could realistically, probably unlikely, but realistically say, Vince, you're one of my wild cards. And, yeah, just do whatever you want, basically. Like, I, I just don't even know how this is going to go, Dave. But I want to be there to see it. The website will be up soon. Tickets will be thirty dollars. Uh, I just I think this could be like demolition derby on dirt bikes. It could be really bad. It could be really great. It's going to be entertaining no matter what. Oh, it's going to be freaking awesome, man! I just like you, I might have to change my travel plans a little bit, man. This is this is going to be really good, and I think uh, a lot of the guys are going to be really amped on it. They're going to be happy to make a little bit of money, but also, I mean. It's, giving these guys another platform so they're going to be going all out for it man it's going to be awesome and uh, i really hope whatever the wild card is that they they go all out too man i want to see some uh i want to see some, some sparks flying some guys getting elbows out man it's, oh it's, it's gonna yeah. be time uh trevor do you think this is like oh well, let me actually shift gears the fact that steve has gotten to a point where feld used to basically barely acknowledge he exists to now he has his own race. Like literally I told you, Daniel Blair was on the show, my show last night. And I was like, dude, did you hear what's going on with the LCQ challenge? He goes, well, I know he wanted to have his own race, but Prater and those guys are never going to allow that. And I was like, uh, you're wrong. It's going down. And Daniel could not believe what I told him. Where do you stand on this Trevor? <laughs> I think it's awesome. So I saw his post on Instagram about it and I was reading through it and I'm like, I, I was honestly shocked. Like, I'm like, I cannot believe that he pulled it off. But I can't either. I, I think it's awesome. Like, it'll be, uh, I saw a couple of the comments that are like, hey, is this going to be, you know, is it going to be streamed somewhere? Can we watch it? Which hopefully works out. I, I, I would love to watch it. But, um, man, I think it's it's awesome. I, I've, you know, I've talked to people over the years, and, and I think you could ask a lot of people in the industry that have talked about having, you know, a race for, whatever it is, you know, the, a B main event or something else that happens on the night with these guys that just missed the main event or guys that didn't qualify or whatever, something to get these guys involved that would still be good racing and, and try and come up with some kind of a purse or things like that, that, you know, allow guys that are, that are great riders and, and, and making the night show and, and have the opportunity to go out there and, and race with some guys and, and make a few extra bucks on the weekend. So I think it's, it's cool that he's, he's able to pull it off and I'm looking forward to seeing it. I am too. It's really, I mean, you could say it's similar to a dash for cash in arena cross. It's just with 22 riders and probably seven laps instead of two or whatever. Uh, but listen, I, again, if Steve happens to listen to this, he, I've mentioned my show multiple times, but it, it's been relevant. 
Uh, I had Adam Intonap on last night also, and I told him about it. And he like during the interview, I, I think Ty was back there in the background because he's like, dude, did you hear about this? Like he just completely ignored the interview and started talking to I, who I believe was his brother in the background about this race. And he had this great quote. So check this out. I will tell you this right now. Yeah. If somebody were to take me out in that race and I don't care who it was, I'm stopping a lap and taking them out because if they're going <laughs> to take me out for wants. 20, if they're taking me out for $20,000, yeah. do you think I'm going to let them slide on that? Well, there you go. What do you, what do you think about that, Dave? <laughs> oh, that is such an addy thing to say, man. Yeah. Yeah. I said <laughs> yeah, that to Steve I, and Steve was like, that's exactly what we want. <laughs> exactly. No, that's, and I, I, I agree with the man for that much money, dude. Yeah. You, you, gotta do something you gotta throw some fifth man you yeah. gotta turn into west over that one for sure uh well i gotta figure out how to be there um before we move on those who ride dirt bikes motorcycles atvs and utvs know motorsport is the best place for oem and aftermarket parts riding gear and accessories motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good too whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street make your next ride your best ride only at motorsport.com those guys carry most of the products that are involved with Pulpamex. So, yeah, hit Motorsport up for all your needs. A couple more things I want to touch on before we wrap this thing up. My call, guys. I called in. Well, he had Jilly and he had Chris Kiefer on, and I had to, after he talked a little bit of shit, I just had to call in. Um, today, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, how you feel about it with, you know, the hair and getting a bike. Dude, it, it kind of bugs me a little bit that Steve and Chris keep talking about, oh, He's, he's going to have more confidence. Like, I've, you know me a little bit. I feel like I'm a pretty damn confident guy now. Like, yeah. And yeah, part of that sure. is, and just take the, the fact that Steve gave me shit for talking to random people. That's because I'm confident to go up and talk to people. And I go, I'll go talk to Brady Bowers or pretty much any chick because I feel confident. So I, I don't, either they don't know me, which is probably somewhat accurate. They really don't know who me very well, or they're just very delusional about this hair thing. But uh, yeah, give me your thoughts, man. Just in general. Oh, so you know, you were you were my pony brother in the pits, man. I know. So I, I almost feel like I'm cutting my hair too. But uh, honestly, <laughs> I think I I I think I think it's rad. I mean, you know, a bike in return for for cutting the mane. It's uh, that's that's pretty decent deal especially since you know what it's gonna grow back anyway right so yeah that's the um, thing yeah yeah so i i, I think it's I, I think it's rad man i probably like i said i'm if you would have asked me a year ago i would have said definitely not lately um i'd be on that same boat with you man. if somebody wants to give me a bike to cut my dreads i'll do it tomorrow but it, <laughs> it just blows me away that it's become such a thing like i literally oh, remember yeah. i think it was 2019 Man, I feel like it was probably Arlington. I can't remember exactly, but like the coming out of the press box, and I barely knew Steve or Weeds at that time. And we were waiting for the elevator after the race to go down to the press conference. And they were like, dude, we've been talking about your pony the whole time. They're like, if there was a fire in here, we could repel down your pony to get out of the stadium. Like that started <laughs> the whole thing, that conversation. And then that same year at Hangtown, Darkside's pony was the word of the day. And I remember Weege. When they when Barsha went into the half pipe at Hangtown, he's like, Barsha's riding that thing like Darkside's pony. And I was like, Holy shit, what is going on? And it just <laughs> has grown. And now it's like there's I mean, look, I don't believe these people are buying tickets to go to the live show just for this, but they have made it into something that's so ridiculous, Trevor. 
But I will tell you, if anything, the confidence thing will go the opposite way because I hated how I looked in high school with short hair. So I, that's why I'm not stoked, really. I, I think, if anything, it's going to go the opposite of what Chris thinks. But anyway, do you have any opinion on the cutting of the ponytail? I think it's it's going to be tough for you. It's going to be different. Yeah. So it's going to take uh, it's going to take a little bit of adjusting. To, but <laughs> that ain't no lie. I mean, I mean, we can we can rebuild. We'll trust the process. We'll get it grown back out. So here's know? what I'll tell you though. So in the last few weeks, I have noticed more often than probably ever before. Like when I'm at say a Walmart or dude at a gas station or whatever, where I'm working, I, I was working outside a uh, machine shop. It seems to be very prevalent in machine shops guys that are probably 20 years older than me and they've got a bit of a gut and they have long, like a ponytail that's really, really stringy and thin. And I'm like, dude, I don't want to look like that. So long term, maybe they're not wrong, but right now I still feel like the hair's pretty healthy and good. But regardless, we're doing this thing and I am down with, I don't know if they're serious or not about the photo ops. If they want to take pictures and the money's going to Jilly, I'll do it, but I still think that's a dumb idea too. I just, uh, it's so creepy, uh, Dave. Like they, they were even talking about the the rubber bands. Like uh, I think Goldie was like, "Does it have to have a rubber band, dude?" When you cut a ponytail off, it's like fucking weird. It's just like hair's going everywhere. It's falling out of the rubber band. If you don't put a rubber band on it, you're gonna lose ninety percent of it. It's 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 not cool once it's cut. It's gonna be yeah. weird. It's yeah. It's it's such a it's, it's I did it once, just like just cutting just a, like maybe two feet off because I had it down to like my freaking ankles. Man. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Pretty yeah. much. But yeah, it's a, it's a weird deal, man. And like, just like you, I don't even know if I would like the way I look without hair, dude, to be honest with you. But yeah, uh, yeah the whole confidence thing, I <laughs> 100% agree with you. I would be like a scared kitten, man. Oh yeah. That's going like, to be the interesting <laughs> thing. Yeah. That's gonna be, but yeah, yeah. I, I donated 18 inches last February and this Ooh. deal was on the table at the live show at Houston that they did at three palms because Steve had been talking about it. And I said, I will cut it off at three palms. Uh, if you like take donations or whatever, and the money goes to the privateer challenge, it, you know, people that come, it, I'll cut it at that race live, but it, I, but I wanted to donate it. And he, but I also only wanted to cut it to my shoulders. It was still 18 inches. And Steve's like, Nope, I want it all or nothing. So I feel like they missed out big time last year. Cause Steve was being greedy. Um, but I'm gaining because I'm getting a damn dirt bike, so it's it's fine. I'll I'll deal with it. It's not going to be that big of a deal. I, I, I say that now. Now Friday night, if I don't show up Saturday, Dave, if you don't see me at the race, maybe check on me. <laughs> I'll give you a text, buddy. I'll get, I'll keep you sane. <laughs> yeah. All right. Last couple things, man. Jack Chambers came on. I pulled no audio from that. Uh, I like the kid. He sounds pretty confident. Pretty um, like I'm looking forward to seeing what he has. He's working with Zacho. Uh, if you guys happen to have not listened to the whole Pulp Show yet, give Jack a check. Uh, a listen, he's really good. Uh, Starlings program. The only thing I want to touch on that is I do. Either of you know who gave him a pro? Uh, like he had an option to for a pro contract that didn't work out. Either one of you know who that what might have been? No, I, I don't know. No. Okay, I need to hit him up see if he'll give me an answer. But I haven't had a chance to do that. But yeah, that was that kind of piqued my interest, and um, I'd like to find that answer out. And like, like more recently? No, or? no. When he was going pro, he said he had an option on the table and it fell through. Or he was gotcha. there was a possible pro contract that that he 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 was going to sign or signed and it didn't work out. So I 
I definitely need to find out what that is. That'd be a good story. They yeah. didn't. They just kind of glossed over it. Um, yeah. All right. Motorsport tweets. My only comment comment on that is they're too fucking long. Uh, I did actually text Tal, and I was like, dude, enough already. It's like twelve fifteen here centrally. I have got to go to bed. So, dude, Steve, five hours. That's it. Five hours. Show ends at midnight my time. I'm putting my foot down. Anybody have a problem with that? I would like that as well. Good, yeah. good. Yeah. No, yeah, no problems complete. there. <laughs> okay, last thing going out. The sponsor reads that Steve sometimes do, sometimes does at the end of the, you know, give me a first thing that comes to mind. Galdi absolutely killed it. He he moved up from the top five favorite co-host. He's on the podium now. I love this. We're going to listen to a little bit of it, uh, and then we'll call it quits. First thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Motorsport.com. Sushi. Decal works. RD Coffee. Decal works. I'm just saying things in your house that I got in the last four days. This is the first thing that comes to your mind. Uh, that's what came to my fucking mind. How about the sponsor? <laughs> I know that. Uh, Ron Joint. Now you... Why? <laughs> what? I don't I'm know. Am I in Bizarro World? <laughs> I'm switching shit <laughs> up, just man. Comes back okay. With another sponsor. All right. Right in line with Tell you what. Tell you what. <laughs> You, you do whatever in, you want. That's okay? What, okay, you, you do whatever you want. That's the first thing that comes to my yes. mind. First thing that comes to your mind, I don't care about these sponsors, all right? No, you do care. They support you, but they're going to giggle as well. X-Brand Goggles. Hot Tub. Michelin. Augie. Firepower, Batteries and Chains. So many snacks yesterday. <laughs> Maxima USA. Uh, Trevor Reese. Pro Filter. Uh, I've used your toilet a lot in that spare room. ORW. Spiced Rum. <laughs> FMF. Oh, that omelet. Oh, fuck, it's so you, good. Yeah, you made an omelet. Atlas neck brace. Uh, oh, poor Augie knocked over all those chips. <laughs> yep. He didn't eat them all, though. He, he didn't, didn't eat them no. all. They don't have a fucking Dyson here. How do you not have a Dyson? MotorcycleIndustryJobs.com. Uh, COVID test. WUSA. E-biking. Manscaped. Uh, the toilet paper in your bathroom is really nice. Wysco Piston. You get a lot of sponsors. You don't talk enough when we're sitting on the couch. It bugs me. Uh, Dave, look. Steve always is like, everybody says the same thing. You always say the same thing every time. Galdi didn't say the same damn thing. That was the highlight of the night for me. Probably, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Oh, that was hilarious. Spiced rum. Dude, I was, uh, it's like, it's like everything in me not to laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Made no that sense, Trevor. Trevor, it made no, no sense and it was perfect. <laughs> no, but it was good. It was good. Yeah, I, I left, I left the Maximo one in from Justin just because he said you. So I left that one in for you. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, guys. I want to thank once again motorsport.com, Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, and Seal Savers, as well as all the Pulp Mech sponsors, including Maxima, Fly Racing, uh, Manscaped, every, uh, everybody else that's involved, Firepower Batteries and Chains. You can go to pulpmechshow.com, click on the Sponsor Deals tabs. There's links, there's discount codes. If you don't see a discount code there, use the contact form on Pulp Mech's. And Steve, usually we'll try to find a way to help you out. Uh, other than that, I am Darkside, Darkside at pulpmix.com. If you have any questions, comments, or complaints, before we let you go, Dave, anything I missed that you want to touch on? Uh, no, this, this was, this was an awesome show, man. Looking forward to, uh, the race this weekend and looking forward to seeing a lot of fans and, uh, keeping the program going strong. Absolutely. Collective experience. Uh, what's the best way to get in contact with you? Uh, the collective xt.com at the collective ex on Instagram. We've got tons of intern opportunities and uh, a lot of our interns are getting hired directly into the sport. So, uh, yeah, tune in. 
Fantastic. Trevor, anything that we missed? No, I think we, uh, I think we had a good show. I enjoyed it, man. Maxima USA. What's the best thing to do? Go to motorsport, go to your local dealer. What's the best way to get Maxima? Yeah. Your local dealer, man. All right. Yeah. Support your local dealerships, your local reps, all that good stuff. Hit them up. Uh, Trevor and Dave. Thanks, man. We're out. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show? See